Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay. It's Tuesday, November the 16th. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. Coming up, find out how police are going to be checking on lorry drivers on the M25 in Kent. Plus, we've got reaction to news. A clinic for obese children is being set up in the county. But first, there are calls today for a young offender institution in Kent to be shut down as a new report raises further concerns about levels of violence. Inspectors visited Cook and Wood in Rochester recently and found things have got even worse since their previous report in 2019. Children were locked up for most of the day with a lack of meaningful activity and prisoner-on-prisoner violent assaults had increased by 70%. The site currently houses almost 90 boys aged between 15 and 18. Ollie has been reading through the report for us. This is what some of it says. It's not good reading, Nicola, and Charlie Taylor, who is HM Chief Inspector of Prisons, said for an institution providing services to children, this inability to address failings was completely unacceptable. Admittedly, the restrictions imposed by the pandemic had not helped, but it was hard to understand why the institution had not been more ambitious in, for example, providing a better daily regime. He added, we found low morale among staff, low standards, low expectations and a lack of energy and creativity that could engage and motivate children to use their time at Cook and Wood usefully. Thanks, Ollie. Well, inspectors found violence had caused 49 recorded injuries in the previous 12 months, which resulted in 29 admissions to hospital, accident and emergency departments. There had also been 140 reported assaults on staff, 10 of which had been deemed serious. We've been getting reaction to this report. I've been speaking to Andrew Nielsen from the Howard League for Penal Reform. Well, one of the reasons why the Howard League as a charity actually opposes the use of young offender institutions like Cookham is because even uh, in the best of times, uh, they have a terrible record in terms of reducing reoffending. Around three quarters of the boys uh, in a young offender institution like Cookham-Wood uh, will go on to reoffend on release. Um, and and it, it will only be um, potentially higher than that um, because of the problems that are now being described uh, by inspectors. It's also very depressing, I have to say, uh, to read that four out of five of the boys in Cook and Wood are black or minority ethnic. And it really does feel like these children are being failed uh, by the institution and the youth custody service that runs it. And the levels of violence that you mentioned earlier as well, you must be very concerned just generally for the young boys' safety who are who are in there, not the fact that they might commit crimes when they come out, but the safety whilst they're in these places as well. We are very concerned. I mean, the, the Hardly runs a legal service for young people in custody, and we do receive calls from boys in Cook and Wood. Uh, and the report uh, published today certainly reflects what we hear from those boys and our own concerns about what's going on. And absolutely, if you have uh, children who um, are in prison, uh, perhaps uh, with violence in their past, um, and violence perhaps is one of the reasons why they are actually um, sentenced, uh, then the last thing that you would expect uh, that period of imprisonment to involve is even more violence and, and exposure to, to even more uh, tensions and, and, and gangs and all the problems that, 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 that we can see in Cook and Wood. And this really, in the end, is why uh, the Hard League's view is that we need to close dysfunctional institutions like Cook and Wood down. Prisons like this are no place for a child. And where custody is required because 
a boy has committed a, a very serious offence, uh, then those children should be held in small local authority run units that are staffed with social workers. We do have some of these uh, secure children's homes, as they're called, uh, dotted around the country, and they are a far better way of, of, of dealing with children uh, than young offender institutions like Hookham A youth custody service spokesman said access to education and time out of cells will increase as we lift the remaining pandemic restrictions, which saved thousands of lives. But we are taking further immediate action to drive improvement at Cookham Wood, recruiting more staff, reducing capacity, refurbishing the building and improving support for vulnerable prisoners. Well, this is also the topic of discussion on the lowdown on our Facebook Live tonight and we'd like to know what you think. We're asking the question, is prison the right place for a young offender? Well, on our social media this afternoon, Danielle Pattinson says, if they're big enough to cause pain or damage to a person or property, then they are certainly big enough to be punished for it. Some of the crimes young offenders, in inverted commas, are committing are the same as what adults are committing and just as violent and disturbing. Mandy Gill has added, absolutely, not all young offenders are in for shoplifting and fighting. There are murderers, rapists. I think it's too easy for them in these prisons. Child or not, still vile excuses for human beings. And finally, Barbara Ann Frost has said, I think boot camp would be a good idea. They can have the discipline they should have had at home. You can let us know what you think by commenting on that question on our socials. You can also watch the programme and get involved by posing a question to our panel of experts from six tonight. Kent Online News. Other top stories today and the Home Secretary has released a joint statement with her French counterpart after a record number of asylum seekers crossed the channel. They're promising to work more closely and speed up measures to tackle it. Nearly 4,000 people made the dangerous journey to Kent in small boats in the first two weeks of November. Kent Refugee Action Network have described the statement as like Groundhog Day though. They're calling for safe routes to be made available for those wanting to claim asylum. Meantime, French police have been evacuated evacuating a makeshift camp on the coast where asylum seekers have been trying to cross the channel to the UK. At least 1,500 people at a former industrial site east of Dunkirk are being taken to shelters before winter sets in. A group of insulate Britain demonstrators have admitted breaching an injunction aimed at preventing their protests on the M25. It was granted by the High Court back in September after the climate action caused long queues on the motorway here in Kent and elsewhere. Nine people could now be jailed following a blockade last month. A court's been told a Chatham man accused of sending a fake bomb to a Covid vaccine factory had sent a packet to Kent Police in 2018. A jury was told it contained a toy police car and a DVD and was addressed to the Chief Constable and Police Commissioner before being intercepted. 54-year-old Tony Collins from Chatham Hill was arrested at the time and later released. He denies making a bomb hoax to the factory in Wrexham and the trial continues. There's been another drop in the number of people out of work in Kent, despite the furlough scheme ending. New figures out today show 51,100 people were claiming unemployment benefits in the county last month. That's about 1,100 fewer than in September, although still significantly higher than before the pandemic. Chancellor Rishi Sunak says the government's trying to address staff shortages. Like many other countries around the world, we are seeing supply chain challenges, and that's not... um 
that's not uncommon. We're seeing that across the world. And what we're doing where we can make a difference, we are. Yesterday, it was announced thousands of people are going to benefit from a wage increase as the new voluntary living wage comes into force. The real living wage is going up to £11.5 in London and £9.90 here in Kent, so outside of the capital. The Living Wage Foundation, which sets the amounts, says 9,000 employers have signed up to pay it. It comes ahead of an increase in the national living wage, which was announced by the government in the recent budget. That'll go up to £9.50 an hour from April 2022. But Ivor Riddle from the TUC in Medway says it's still not enough. He spoke to Jadzia on the lowdown last night. Right now, uh, what we're actually asking for is a minimum wage of £12. Because the reality is that you you cannot live on the, the national living wage. People still have to claim universal credit. People still have to work two or sometimes three jobs just to make an income to keep their family in food and heat. So it's it's just another bit of flim-flam from central government um, trying to make it look pretty when actually, in fact, they're just letting people down. For businesses, it can be really expensive to employ workers. And it's not just about paying them more, but if they have to, the, what, what they're paying to employ workers in, in tax, in, in national insurance, those can all, all be really, really costly. And so if they're having to kind of pay workers even more, um, do you think this could potentially impact businesses in, in a negative way? Well, possibly, and, and maybe governments should think about putting some kind of support in for them. But at the moment, uh, we're actually, or the, or the taxpayer, if you like, is actually already providing welfare for those companies in the fact that people have to claim a universal credit just to top their wages up. So it's not a realistic wage to start with, you know. And I, I don't, I don't want to go dissing uh, small employers now because uh, I've got some friends who are self-employed and small employers. And, and they work really hard and, and they're very good or they try to be as good as they can to their staff. But the whole system is rigged uh, and it's wrong. Uh, the bottom line is if you do a job, you should be paid the correct wage for that job. And as, as always, you've got people who sit in Parliament on 85 grand a year telling people who are living on universal credit and the living wage um, that, you know, they need to work harder and do more hours. It's just bonkers. These people are getting up at three o'clock in the morning to scrape somebody's toilet out and, and uh, they're being told they're not working hard enough. It's just outrageous. And you can watch that episode in full by heading to our Facebook. Kent Online reports. Some health news now. And more than 10 times as many people in Kent and Medway are waiting over six weeks for key scans that can diagnose heart disease compared to before the pandemic. It's gone from just 241 in February 2020 to more than 2,700 this September. The British Heart Foundation is warning delays to diagnosis could put lives at risk and are calling for the backlog to be urgently addressed. Elsewhere, a specialist clinics opening in Kent to help severely obese children and young people who are struggling with their weight. It's one of 15 sites across England as part of a pilot programme and will offer things like diet plans, coaching and mental health support. When new stats out today show obesity rates among primary school children here in the southeast have risen significantly over the past year. Almost 9% of reception age children were overweight last year compared to more than 12.5% now. For year six pupils, it's risen from 17.8% last year to more than a fifth. Dr Jack Jacobs is a GP based near Ashford and joins me now. This is a rather sad situation, isn't it, Jack? 
what it is. Um, you know, obesity rates in children across the whole uh, of the UK are high. I know that in Kent and Medway, we've got even higher rates than the national average. So it is a real problem uh, and it affects obviously the physical, but also the mental health of these young people uh, and addressing it at an early age will really pay dividends throughout their whole, whole lives if we can do that. Just looking at some stats that were released today, actually, these are just from the southeast, but it's saying for children in year six, so for children who are just about to go to secondary school, 20, just over 20%, so a fifth of them now were classed as overweight. I mean, as you say, that really is very concerning and it has gone up quite dramatically over the past year. What could that be down to? Is it down to things like lockdown and not getting enough physical exercise as they would have done being at school? I suspect it's probably a combination of that. So, you know, I think you can imagine that people, kids, adults, all have done less uh, activity during the lockdown uh, and perhaps we've all eaten the wrong sort of thing as well. I think, you know, sometimes when, when things are stressful, you turn to food as a bit of a comfort and then that can just become a habit. And it's very easy for, I think, uh, extra calories to sort of slip in and weight to gain in that sort of situation. I certainly know myself, I have put on a few extra pounds over lockdown, which I hoped I wouldn't have done, but nonetheless, um, doing the work to try and get rid of it. When you're in that situation as a very young child, say an 11, 12 year old who's already classed as obese, how difficult is it then to tackle that at an early age or is it easier when they're younger? I don't know, actually. I think um, I think it's important to tackle it at an early age. I think it's important to sort of learn the habit of eating healthily, of being active and sort of to address your well-being because I think you know you've got to address all of those components if you want uh, to live a healthy active lifestyle with a healthy weight I mean it's really important I mean there are equally problems with kids that don't eat enough and are underweight and have eating disorders so in a sense they're all sort of linked often to underlying lifestyle patterns and uh, mental health uh, well-being and distress so I think it's really important to address all of those I'm quite sure if you can address these things earlier uh, then the outcome will be better. Um, and it's good to see that some investment is being made, but there probably needs to be an awful lot more. And of course, if it isn't dealt with, there could be some quite serious issues when they do get older, because we know that being overweight can lead to other health complications, can't it? It can, it can. So uh, we know that, say, in adults, uh, and therefore by default children, if you're overweight, the longer you're overweight, the higher your risk of uh, cardiovascular type of complications so high blood pressure and diabetes and heart disease so it really can lead down the line to uh, physical health uh, problems but also mental health problems as well we know that a lot of people that remain really overweight throughout their lives are often carrying the burden of mental health illness so yeah there's a, a lot of health uh, um, things that need um, sort of looking at a lot of the comments we've had on this story just finally immediately blame the parents. But it sounds like from what you're saying, it can be quite a complex issue. And it's probably not yeah. fair to do that straight away. No, I think it is a complex issue. I mean, I think if you just try and look up what a healthy diet should be, you'll get 101 different answers. And the, the fact is, there's a lot of choice out there. Labeling on foods is really tricky. Um, so I think it is it is really challenging to know what is healthy and right and a balanced diet for, for children. 
Um, and there probably needs to be an awful lot more education and support out there than, than the limited stuff that's out there at the moment. Well, quite a few of you have been posting comments on this story on Kent Online today. One says, I was obese as a kid right up to being 19. The combination of going to college where a nutrition unit helped me understand the types of food and why some were good to eat and some bad and meeting a lad who I really liked but would not see for at least four months led me to lose three stone in that time. I had been overweight because my parents were working long hours and our family meals were full of calories. They needed the calories but I was a pupil at a grammar and needed long hours of study to succeed so did not burn off the calories. I needed the motivation to do it and the knowledge of how to do it and I really believe that this is what everyone who is overweight needs. What did not help me was someone telling me I had to do it because at that age I don't think it's the way forward. The new clinic which I believe is now one of many throughout the country will only succeed if it does not make the kids feel there's something wrong with the way they are or look. Good luck to all the kids and professionals involved. Another comment has added there are fast food shops everywhere it's just too easy for children to pick up bad habits. There are many causes of overeating including abuse and mental health issues. Let's hope these places will deal with the whole problem. Education and knowledge about food should also be taught. And one final comment says in the vast majority of cases it's pure laziness on the parent's side. Too easy to order in a takeaway. Parents should be helped and persisted offenders should be done for child abuse. Quite a controversial one there. You can let us know what you think by also leaving a comment on the story. And an investigation is underway after a defibrillator was stolen from a village near Ashford. The potentially life-saving equipment was taken from outside the Woodchurch hub on Front Road over the weekend and the accompanying paddles were found nearby. Kent Online reports. Next today, and plans for a new development near Dover, which were previously rejected, have now been approved after it was cut from 117 homes to 110. Yep, you heard that right, just seven homes fewer. There have also been some other slight changes to proposals for land near Sandwich Road in Sheldon. Following a number of objections, bosses say landscaping issues, for example, have now been resolved. Hackers have leaked private information from some Kent schools onto the dark web following a cyber attack. It's understood a limited number of files have been posted and an urgent investigation is underway to work out who's been affected. The county council say they take the safety and security of data very seriously. Now it's hoped police will be able to reduce the number of crashes by patrolling a Kent motorway and unmarked HGVs. Undercover vehicles known as supercabs will be used on the M25 over the next fortnight to help catch drivers committing offences like using a mobile phone behind the wheel or not wearing a seatbelt. Christina from our colleagues at KMTV has been speaking to Sergeant Rob Beckers from the Met Police. We do have the advantage being in the HGV, we can see into those uh, bigger vehicles, but also because of the height, we can see down more clearly into, into motor cars and vans where people are perhaps hiding things out, out of view of the windows. And what are some of the offences you've seen? You know, because we sort of heard where people are on their laptops watching films. It's not just you know mobile phone use. No, no. So we're we're seeing a, a, a lot of mobile phone use, um, but the mobile phone use has actually changed uh, quite quite a bit. Um, so we're seeing a lot of social media use whilst people are driving, um, people completing paperwork, um, counting money. We've seen um, all sorts of things, um, all things which take people's attention off the road and, and distract them from, from the uh, quite complex cognitive task at hand of driving. And in terms 
also like the, the legal side of it, you know, obviously you're mm. in a HTV, they're down there, you know, you pull them over, they can try and deny it. So how do you make sure, you know, it is completely sort of enforceable in court? Yeah, so we've we've got cameras, um, so we try to capture best evidence via cameras um, from the from the HGV. Um, that information is then relayed to stopping vehicles who, who will go and go and deal with the drivers. Um, and, and we're quite open about what we're doing, and we tell drivers what has been witnessed in in the uh, cab of the lorry. Um, and a lot of drivers do accept that they've, they've done wrong. And how is it this time of year? Obviously, you know, we've been in lockdown, a lot of people stopped driving, so some of them, you know, maybe back out in their cars, maybe a bit more relaxed about it all. Are you expecting to see more drivers this time of year, sort of break the rules following on from the pandemic? Um, I, I don't think there's really a great deal of change in, in offending behaviour, really. We've, we, it's been fairly consistent, um, even through the lockdowns. Um, the nature of offences has, has changed somewhat, I, I would think, um, but we're still seeing a lot of offending. And and you can see their video report by heading to the KMTV pages of Kent Online. Villagers are hoping to rebuild an historic Kent pub which burnt to the ground after being struck by lightning. The 130-year-old green man in New Ash Green was gutted when the blaze happened in June. Its owners have now said they intend to dispose of the site. But people living nearby are hoping to take it on after it was declared an asset of community value. And at Kent Online you can read about the Kent man who inspired one of the most popular series of children's books. The Mr Men and Little Miss books are celebrating their 50th anniversary. Adam Hargreaves is the son of author Roger, who wrote them after he'd been asked by his little boy what a tickle looked like. Kent Online Sport. Former Yorkshire cricketer Azim Rafiq has told a Kent MP racism is far more prevalent in the sport than many people realise. He's been giving evidence to a parliamentary committee today after his old club admitted there had been harassment and bullying. Ashford's Damien Green was among those questioning him. So you say it's institutional in Yorkshire. Do you think it's institutional in cricket more widely? Yes, I do. I have had enough people talk about experiences up and down the country it's not just at Yorkshire. And I think here the ECB has got to take a bit of responsibility as well. The England and Wales Cricket Board will give their response at the same hearing. Football and Gillingham are in FA Cup first round replay action tonight. They travelled to take on Cheltenham Town after it ended 1-0 when the sides first met 10 days ago. Here's manager Steve Evans. It's always a tough place to go, Cheltenham, whatever level they've been at through their uh, football pyramids. The great supporters have there as well. Proper people. You know, when I go to Cheltenham, it's normally at the racing, but it's, it's also good to go there. And uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a proper place to go and, um, to go and play football again. It's a good side. Kick-off tonight's at 7.45. You can follow the action at Kent Online and get details of the result in breakfast bulletins on our sister radio station, KMFM, tomorrow morning. Plus, we'll have reaction in tomorrow's podcast as well. And staying with football, the Jills will face an early start next season because of the Winter World Cup. EFL fixtures have been adjusted to accommodate the tournament in Qatar, with the Jills' first game due to take place at the end of July. Well, that's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook Twitter and Instagram. You can also now get access to the new ad-free Kent Online premium site by subscribing. Just head to kentonline.co.uk forward slash subscribe. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online podcast.